Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Fishing for Men with Mac show. Welcome, everybody. It is absolutely fantastic to have you on the show today. The title of this podcast episode is this. Did Tarzan go to heaven? Now, we all grew up with the story of Tarzan. It's a, it's a lovely story and it really tickles our imagination. It was one of my favorite stories when I was a kid growing up. He ended up on an island as a baby, right? Because of a plane crash or something. And on this island, uh, there seems to have been no civilization, if I remember correctly. Uh, there was no church there. There were no people to interact with. He, he was surrounded by, you know, by apes. And there were no missionaries to teach him about Jesus. Now, if he died, would he go to hell because he never heard of Jesus? That is really the question for today. That is the topic on the agenda. Now, let me expand this a little bit further to make it clear what is at stake here or what the discussion really is about. Uh, now, you maybe have heard this question before or maybe it is a question that you have, right? And I think it is a good question. Does everybody have a fair chance in making contact with God? What type of a God would say the only way that you can get to heaven is through Jesus? And then he wouldn't give every person an equal opportunity to hear about Jesus. If you are a skeptic of Christianity, you might just be nodding your head and saying, Yeah, right, that, that doesn't make sense to me. The idea that Jesus is the only way cannot be true, therefore, many people would say. And this is closely re related to the argument we have discussed before that if you were born in a specific country, you were more likely to follow the predominant religion of that country. In other words, if you grow up in a Muslim country, you will most likely be a Muslim. If you grow up on an island where there is no religion like Tarzan, then you would be an irreligious person. Religion wouldn't even play a role. You wouldn't even think that there exists a God or something like that. Now, on the surface, it seems like not everybody has an e equal opportunity to know Jesus Christ. And if this is so, the Christian God is unfair and unjust for sending people to hell who doesn't submit to Jesus. Right? I think uh, whether you're Christian or not, that would make sense to you. Or Christianity is a man-made religion. But let's explore this and really ask the question, is it an irrational question? Some might say, well, it is unlikely and it is an irrational argument. Tarzan isn't real. How can you use an example like that? Tarzan isn't real and there aren't real Tarzan stories around. The whole world that we know is civilized. Everybody has access to Jesus no matter where you are. Most probably, if you're listening to this, you live in a country where everybody knows about Jesus. There are churches on every street corner. In actual fact, you can go and climb in your car right now and drive to a church. If you wanted to know of anybody uh, of, of Jesus, uh, I, I'm sure that there's quite a few people on your Facebook that you could contact right now who would tell you about Jesus. So for you, it seems like the whole world has access to Jesus and pure Christianity. Now, let me just make this, this issue a little bit more challenging. Let me make it a little bit more challenging and just say two things. If Jesus is the only way... To take it a little bit further, what happened to all the people who lived before Jesus came into the world? Have you ever thought about that question? That's a good question, right? If God wants to save the whole human race, why didn't he send Jesus right in the beginning of mankind? Why didn't he die for the sins of the people in the Garden of Eden just before he created Adam and Eve? Because then the whole world from the beginning of time would have access to salvation. 
If Jesus is the only way, then all the people who lived before Jesus has gone to hell, right? And so that's also an important issue to talk about. And secondly, I'd just like to state this, that there are Tarzan-like situations in the world where we live today. There's been many examples in the news over the past couple of um, hundreds of years where people have been secluded by themselves in jungles, etc., 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 um, and and it's, it's a bit of a curveball, right, to the Christian who believes that God is easily accessible uh, in the way that we usually think about it, right? There, there, there are possibly people who have never heard of Jesus. How does that make you feel? Now, let me give you an example. And, and this story, this really fascinates me. I'd, I'd like to challenge you to go and Google North Sentinel Island. North Sentinel Island. It is called the most dangerous island in the world. There is an uncontacted tribe who lives there. It is illegal to put your foot there. People have tried to access the island, but often end up being killed or chased away by the people who live there. A few hundred years ago, people got on the island and only found two old people and four kids. The whole tribe, somehow, they were hiding away in the jungle. And so they took the two old people and the four kids and, and took them back to another um, place. But when they arrived there, the older people started to get sick and they soon died because their bodies were not immune to the viruses outside of that specific island. So they took the four kids back to the island with gifts to sort of say, look, we, we, we're sorry, man, that your, your grandpa and grandma died now, but here's your grandkids and here's some gifts to say sorry. And I think that sort of left a sour taste in the mouths of, of these tribes people. And from that time on, the people of the island would kill anyone who sit set their foot there. Once an escaped convict arrived uh, there and he was killed. Another time two sailors got drunk one night and their anchor didn't hold and the, the boat that they were on started uh, moving towards the island. They were probably so drunk and asleep that they didn't realize that they ended up on the island and both of them were killed. One time a ship uh, was wrecked on the island and the crew climbed off the ship thinking it's a nice tropical beach and before they knew it there were quite a number of uh, islands people who attacked them with swords uh, and, and spears and, and, and um, arrows, etc. And these people defended themselves. The crew people defended themselves with, with uh, some some axes and a flare gun. And luckily they managed to, to escape from them back into the ship. And then they were saved by, uh, I think, by the Navy. Um, another time someone tried to access the island to shoot a documentary of these people. And so they brought gifts for the people. And one of the gifts was a pig. So they arrived at the beach and they, they put the gifts on the beach and then the people approached them. The tribes people approached them and started shooting at them with arrows. And the, the person who was shooting the documentary, I think he was the director, he was shot in the thigh with, a, uh, with an arrow. And they were all scurrying to get back on the boat and busy paddling away. And then they see the people on the island take the pig immediately, dig a hole in the ground and bury the pig. And while they were busy burying it, burying it. They were laughing at, at this director who was shot in the hip, thinking it's it's very funny. So it seems like it's a very aggressive and, and cruel tri tribe of people um, who, who live there. In 1991, it seems like an anthropologist, a female, made, it, made peaceful contact with the people. But soon after that, um, the Indian government disallowed contact with them for fear of spreading deadly germs to them. Their immune systems are not as developed as ours uh, because they... They, they don't get into contact with the type of germs that we get into contact with, uh, we who live in larger populations. A few days after the 2004 tsunami, the Indian government sent a helicopter to the island to see if the people survived. 
And they did. They managed to flee to higher ground. And then the latest story of this island was in 2018, when a man by the name of John Chow, who was 26 years old, he was a missionary, he wanted to go teach the people on this island about Jesus. And so he he apparently went there with the with people who took him by boat and he climbed in the canoe and he paddled to the island. He managed to make it to the shore, but there was a little boy standing there with a bow and arrow and the other people were a little bit skeptical as well and he was surrounded by a group of people. But he um, he started to open his Bible and teach them from Genesis. He wanted to teach them about Jesus. And suddenly this boy just took out his bow and arrow and he shot at him and he shot him apparently in into the Bible that he was holding on to. Meanwhile, they have taken his boat as well. And so he just jumped into the water and he swam back about two kilometers, apparently, back into the, the boat. And he wrote down this information in his diary. Later on, he decided he's going to go back to the island, but to do not be intimidating, he went in his underpants. And so he swam in his underpants and he told the fishermen that they can go because they had to, I think, probably go do business or continue with one. They couldn't wait there for a few days. So he swam back to the island. The next day, the people who brought him, brought him, uh, brought him with a boat they um, uh, circled the island trying to find where he is. And then they just saw these tribesmen uh, drag a body across the beach with a rope around his neck. And then they realized this, this young man was killed. So here is a very real example of a tribe of people with no idea of Jesus. To them, people are to be killed because they kill and they are bad. They killed their great, great grandparents or whoever those old people were. And according to the Bible, if these people die, they all go to hell. That's the way that we generally understand it. The chances of them knowing Jesus is much less likely than you and me knowing Jesus, right? Because we live in a place where it's easy. We've got easy access to Jesus, yet these people don't or is it not is there something that we don't know or don't understand now let's let's look at the answer to this and i'm going to give a shot at it because i think it's an important thing to explore uh, the question then really is this can people who have never heard of god be held accountable by god for not knowing about him i'll repeat that can people who have never heard of god be held accountable by god for not knowing about him. And I'm speaking specifically about the Christian God. Now to reach an answer to this question. It will be necessary for me. To get the answer therefore from the Christian scriptures. This is a question that we ask of the Christian God. Every other religion will have to answer this question. Based on their own scriptures. The Muslim will have to answer it based on the Quran. And so I will be giving just a brief theological answer to this question. Based on a Christian worldview. And obviously these are the. They're the thoughts that I could gather based on my understanding and, and experience with people and missionary work and, and evangelism. So firstly, I'd like to say this. God will do what is right and just. The God that is represented in the Bible is a God who always does what is right and he does what is just. And just because to you and me it doesn't look just doesn't mean that it is just. I mean, we struggle to convict criminals justly. Uh, we humans, we struggle with justice. We're not that good at, at it, right? But the God who created the heavens and the earth will not punish anybody or give glory to anybody if that person did not deserve it. The question of who goes to heaven or who goes to hell, I don't know about you, but it's beyond my paycheck. I'm so glad that I don't decide who goes to heaven and who goes to hell. So this question in the first instance is a little bit faulty. 
I don't know who God allows to heaven, who he doesn't. I know what the scriptures say, but at the end of, of it all, one day we will know who made it to heaven and who didn't. Only a supreme ruler can make ultimate judgment about who goes to heaven and who doesn't, who deserves punishment and who doesn't. The ancient scriptures tells us that God will do what is right and he will do that always. John, in his revelation, or ends his revelation, right at the end of the Bible, he says the following, I am coming soon. This is Jesus speaking. My reward is with me. And I will give to each person according to what he has done. And that's not the only place where it says that. I think there are hundreds of verses that can be interpreted in the same way. That God will give to each person according to what he has done. God will pay back people for what they've done, good and bad. And so I honestly believe if you have never heard of Jesus, but you're a good person, you don't kill or steal, etc., God will reward you according to his wisdom. That still doesn't mean necessarily that you will be going to heaven. But perhaps your degree of Hades might be a little bit less. I'm just so glad that I cannot give concrete answers on this because this belongs to God's domain. We don't know how God will fairly judge. But he will. And I'm just so thankful that I don't have to do that. Secondly, here's a second thing to think about. Jesus has a message for us that is quite frightening. And you might not be aware of this. The, the, a question that I've been asked many times is this. Will there be different degrees of hell and different degrees of heaven? And to be honest with you, it seems like there is. And this might be the frightening part for us. Because um, let me read to you something that Jesus said that was recorded by Luke, the Dr. Luke. Listen carefully. That servant who knows his master's will and does not get ready or does not do what his master wants will be beaten with many blows. But the one who does not know and does things deserving punishment will be beaten with few blows. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Let's just quickly reflect on the last things that were said there by Jesus. Let's look at example at our situation in the West. Much has been given to us. We can go to church and hear the Bible the whole time. We can access the internet and access uh, biblical ideas the whole time. We can get knowledge about God and understanding about God like many poorer countries cannot. Right? So much more will be demanded from us. And God has entrusted the gospel with us, so he, there will be much more asked of us. Now, Jesus seems to be talking about two types of people here. People who knows God's will and who doesn't do it. That's the first group. And people who don't know God's will and they also don't do it. Who will be punished harder? The person who knows God's will and doesn't do it or the person who doesn't know God's will and doesn't do it? Well, according to this text, the person who doesn't know God's will and doesn't do it will be punished with less than the person who does know God's will and doesn't do it. Right? We in the Western society fall most of the time in the first category. We know about Jesus. We know about God's will. It is clear to us uh, that we should live upright and holy lives, yet we often don't do it. Now, we will receive many blows. Right? 
the guy trapped on the island who doesn't know what we know might do something that the father doesn't approve, and his blows will be less than ours. So us who know about Jesus will be held more accountable than the people who are in the island and who never hear about Jesus. Have you ever thought about that? That is quite challenging, right? So, so what am I getting at? God will judge each person according to his criteria. And as Jesus shows us here, he will deal with each of us differently. We can talk about Tarzan. But if you're listening to this podcast right now, you probably live in a place where Jesus is easily access- accessible and adequately explained. And you will surely die in your sins if you do reject him. Because you've got this access. You have no excuse because you know the full will of God. There's a third point. And this I just love because this is powerful for me. But the third point is this, that the Christian God makes a promise. And look, I'm just making all of these points to to sort of sketch a picture so that we can eventually get to the answer that we are looking for. The Christian God makes a promise. And this is his promise to every person that has ever lived and will still live. Here it is. This is the promise. If you seek me, you will find me. That's a promise. A thousand five hundred years before Jesus came, when the earth's population was just a few million people, Moses wrote the following down. He said, but if you seek the Lord your God from Mesopotamia, talking to the Israelites, you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and all your soul. 500 years later, King Solomon wrote on behalf of God. He said, I love those who love me and those who seek me, find me. Proverbs 8 verse 17. 500 years later, during the Babylonian captivity, Jeremiah wrote to the people in exile on behalf of God and said, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. That's Jeremiah 29, 13. And 500 years later, Jesus himself said, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Matthew 7 verse 7. And then a few years later, the Apostle Paul said in the presence of a great group of philosophers in Athens. Listen to this beautiful piece of speech that Paul gives you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he's not far from each one of us. Every generation of the earth had access to the promise of God. The problem is not that uh, that people can't hear about God. It is that they don't want to hear about him. This beautiful speech of Paul tells us that each person in this world has been strategically placed in a time and in a country. So each person is uniquely situated to see God and find him because he's close to every person on this planet. It is not a coincidence if you were born in Ireland or you were born in South Africa or you were born in America or in New Zealand. It's not a coincidence. God let you be born there. That would be the best opportunity, the best place for you to find him. 
So the place where you are born has been strategically designed by God. Secondly, the time that you are born has been strategically placed by God. He wanted you to live in this time and he wanted you to live in this specific country because the point where you are at now is the best place for you to possibly reach out to him and to find him. Now, God is saying to us that it doesn't matter where in this world you are, how secluded your island is. If you seek him with all your heart, you will find him. He will make sure that you get to him no matter what, or he will come to you. There has been thousands of documented stories of how people in secluded places or people in Muslim nations have met Jesus because they were looking truthfully for God. A biblical example that you can go look at in your own time is Acts chapter 10, Cornelius, where Peter is sent to Cornelius's house because God knew that Cornelius is seeking. God will send someone to tell you about Jesus if you're seeking him with all your heart. There's a beautiful documentary that I really want to challenge you to go and look at. It's called Sheep Among Wolves, Volume 2, Official Feature Film. That's the exact words because I, I really want to challenge you to go look at it because it's really powerful. It is about how Christianity is spreading in Iran, a Muslim nation. These are Christians under wraps. They are, they are, they are an underground Christian movement. They're making disciples like nobody's business now i wanted to put a small section in here for you guys to listen to but the person speaks iranian and you know i can't put up subtitles because this is an audio only deal so but i i highly recommend that you go see the documentary it will change your life okay and he's talking in this one section of the video this one guy oh it's a woman i don't know they've they've sort of uh, hidden the voice from us you know that that the criminal voice in the movies sounds the same way um he's, the, this person is talking about how they people teach people about Jesus and this is what he says this is what their real experience is this is what he says in the video listen to this when we make disciples we realize that Jesus has gone faster than us he has come into the people's dreams or he's come miraculously in their lives and when we hear this we know that Jesus has gone ahead of us this is his words. They are actively making disciples in Iran. And he says that they meet people. They, they, it's a Muslim country, ladies and gentlemen. There are no churches around where you can go sit and hear about Jesus. Many of the people have never heard about Jesus. But these disciple makers, they walk in the streets and they meet people. And those people would tell them, listen, man, I had a dream or something miraculous happened in my life. What is happening is under this persecution, many of these people in Iran, they're realizing that Islam is dead. It's, it's a man-made religion and they're looking for the true God of heaven and earth. And because they seek him, God says, all right, I'm going to come find you. I'm going to push a miracle into your life. You know what? I'm going to speak to you in a dream if I have to. Come what may. If someone is seeking God, nothing will stop him. No government will stop him. No gun will stop him. No bow and arrow will stop him. No spear will stop him. If you want to know God, God will make sure that you get to know him. And if he has to come into your dream, he will do so. But someone might still say, yeah, but how can I seek a God if I don't know a God exists? I mean, here I am on the island. How am I supposed to know? I'm Tarzan, right? I'm sleeping in my tree. How am I supposed to know about a God? The bear isn't going to tell me about God. I mean, nobody can speak and tell me about God. How, how do we know that there is a God? And that brings me to point four which probably really is the crux of this whole 
discussion, there are at least two things that every person on this planet have access to, every human being, that is evidence for God. And here's the two things. Number one, creation. Number two, the moral law that has been written on your heart. Let's talk about creation. And I'm going to read to you what Paul wrote to the Romans about this specific idea. Just one verse in Romans 1 verse 20. Listen carefully. It says, For since the creation of the world, since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. Right from the beginning, right when God set the star and the moon in place, He has placed His eternal nature, His divine being, His eternal power, His invisible qualities are placed in nature, in the creation. Let me explain just a little bit further. God has revealed Himself in the creation. The heavens declare the glory of God, the psalmist says. In other words, when I look up to the sky, I see the glory of God. The stars are, are I cannot count the stars. I cannot measure the distance of the universe. I cannot understand the expanse of the sky. Although the human race is so intelligent, they can't figure it out. The stars are immeasurable. Every creature that crawls on the ground and every bird that flies in the sky carry the signature of a creator. Why do people worship nature? Well, ladies and gentlemen, because it's amazing. And we live in a time where, where humanity is really realizing that. People find the, the creation absolutely amazing. The only mistake that they make is that they don't give honor to the creator. And they give honor to the creation itself. So we can see God in the things that he has made. Now, Tarzan is lying in a tree. He doesn't have a Bible or a missionary. But what does he have? Ladies and gentlemen, he is surrounded by creation. He looks at the stars and he wonders, who made all this? He looks at the beetle and the amazing way that nature operates. And he asks the question, who made this? And who keeps all of this in balance? Is there someone out there bigger than me? This fact is why every tribe that have ever lived has some form of religion. It's a fact. You cannot look at creation and not believe that there is a God. Unless you don't want to believe there is a God. That's why when you go to the Aborigines in the South. And you go to the Red Indians in the, sta in the States. And you go wherever you go in the world. Every tribe has always had some form of God. Because people realized. Look somebody must have made this. And so often what people would do is that they would create their own religions. Now the North Sentinel Island people. Will have no excuse ladies and gentlemen. They don't have Bibles. They don't have Jesus. But what they do have is the same creation that you and I have. The same sun that rises over us. Is the same sun that rises over them. The same nature that we marvel at. Is the same nature that is surrounding them. God's signature. His face is in the creation of that island. It's, in the, it's on the beach. It's in the, in the waves that come. It is everywhere. The existence of God. So they see the story host, they see the glory of the animals in their jungle, but they don't want to know the God who made it at all. And even when God reaches out to, him, to them, they reject him, like when they killed that missionary. 
So the very fact that we're surrounded by creation should stimulate us to ask the question, who is the creator? But there's a second thing, and it's moral law, and that's also found in Romans chapter 2, verse 14 to 15. I'm going to read it to you. When heathens who do not have the law do by nature things required by the law, they are a law for themselves. Even though they do not have the law, since they show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their consciences also bearing witness, and the thoughts now accusing, now even defending them. Now there's so much to say about this text, but, but the key I want to take out, is, out of this text is this. The moral law of God has been written in our hearts. We know what is right and we know what is wrong. The evidence of this is seen in the fact that murder is wrong on every continent and every country. And so is stealing and so is lying. There are moral laws ingrained in our hearts. We know these things are wrong. Whether you live in Papua New Guinea or in China, you know it's wrong. Everybody knows it's wrong. Why? Because there's laws been written in our heart. And when we know something is wrong and still do it, we experience a sensation in our consciences. And we have a choice to ignore it or not. Also, because we have built-in moral laws, we develop punishment for not keeping them. And so we become aware of fairness and justice. So when someone hurts us and never pay for what they've done, we look up to heaven for a higher power. There we go. Our morals that have been written in our hearts point us to heaven once again and ask the question, where's the lawmaker? Because if we've got laws in our hearts, then it pushes us to ask the question, but who's the lawmaker? Right? Because deep in our hearts, we know that if we have a moral sense built into us, then there must be a moral agent as well. And that is why people cry out to God when they suffer, because they want justice. They want the ultimate source of morality to stand up for them. And that is a sign of His existence. And so let me summarize. You know there is a God based on what you see and experience in creation. You know there is a God because of the moral laws in your heart that you cannot deny. Every person in the world sees creation and experiences morality. So nobody is without excuse. If you feel there is a God, but you don't seek him, you will not find him. So let's go back to Tarzan. He sees creation, he experiences morality, and he asks the question, God, who are you? Where are you? Why am I here? What's the purpose of my existence? You know what will happen then? God will come. He will come through a missionary. He will come through a boat. He will come through a bird if he has to. He will come through a dream. He will come through anything. But he will come. And God won't break his promise. And then there's still the question that I don't know if it in some way has answered, has been answered already. What about the people who lived before Jesus? Well, that one is a bit different, although in some ways the same. Firstly, let me just say, the Jews were saved through Jesus. Before the law of Moses came, people like Abraham were saved by faith. Now, the Jews were saved by Jesus because every year they would make their sacrifices on the Day of Atonement until Jesus came. The rest of the world, I believe, had a fair chance to meet God. And some people did meet God, although they were not Jews. They were proselytes, people like Ruth, for example. But, but here is something interesting for you to go and think about. How many people do you think lived before Jesus? I've got a clip here for you from William Lane Craig, who was busy debating Christopher Hitchens. And Christopher Hitchens always brings up this argument where he says, that, what about all the many people, for all the many thousands of years who lived before Jesus, um, it doesn't make sense that, that Jesus would just let them perish in their sins because they didn't have Jesus. And William Lane Craig answers that very powerfully in this clip. Let me give it to you. Here we go. 
Well, now, Mr. Hitchens says, but why did God wait so long before he sent Christ? Human beings have existed for thousands of years on this planet before Christ's coming. Well, um, what's really crucial here is not the time involved. Rather, it's the population of the world. The Population Reference Bureau estimates that the number of people who have ever lived on this planet is about 105 billion people. Only 2% of them were born prior to the advent of Christ. Eric Krapes of the Survey Research Center at the University of Michigan's Institute for Social Research says, God's timing couldn't have been more perfect. Christ showed up just before the exponential explosion in the world's population. The Bible says in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. And when Christ came, the nation of Israel had been prepared. The Roman peace dominated the Mediterranean world. It was an age of literacy and learning. The stage was set for the advent of God's son into the world. And I think in uh, God's providential plan for human history, we see the wisdom of God in uh, orchestrating the uh, development of human life and then in bringing Christ into the world in the fullness of time. So I don't see that there are any good grounds here for thinking that this provides uh, reason for atheism. So the world population before Jesus came was very small. It was basically, 2,000 years ago, was basically the birth, the beginning of the mass expansion of the human race. And so Jesus came at exactly the right time. And the people who came before Jesus also had an opportunity to connect with the Jews through whom they could have been saved also through Jesus. Paul writes in Colossians 1 verse 23 that by, by that time, which was about AD 63, I think it is, the whole world had heard of Jesus. That's Colossians 1 verse 23. Uh, uh, that means 1,900 and something years ago, every known person, according to Paul, or every place in the world had already heard about Jesus. These disciples, ladies and gentlemen, they worked hard. I mean, after Jesus died, um, some of the subs, I think Mark went all the way to, to Alexandria and, and Egypt. He went into Africa. The eunuch went into Africa. We've spoken about that. Uh, Thomas, we believe, went all the way into India. So the gospel spread throughout the world. All right. There are very few places in this world that doesn't have access to Jesus. And the places that has no access, like North Sentinel Island, have people who are not interested in knowing who their creator is. So let me conclude. According to the Bible, everybody has equal opportunity to know Christ. Everybody, whether you're on an island, whether you're in Iraq, whether you live in America, everybody has got equal opportunity to know God. And just because you live in a country where you've got equal opportunity to know God doesn't mean that you're going to find God because you'll only find God when you seek for him with all of your heart. That's why there are some people in Western society who are more lost than people on the North Sentinel Island. Number two, people who don't know God don't want to know God. And God respects that. If you don't want to know me, I'm not going to force myself on you. Number three, the formula for finding God is this, seeking him with all your heart. If you seek him with half your heart, you will never find him. If you seek him with a bit of your heart, you will never find him. If you seek him only with your mind, you will never find him. You'll only find him when you seek him with all your heart. That is why atheists and these great debaters who oppose Christianity can never find God. Because they don't actually want to know him. They're trying to understand him with their intellect, but they're not looking for him with their hearts. It is true that there are more Christians in Christian countries. But most of them are Christians because of social influence, not because they really sought God, and therefore they're not real Christians. I would like to suggest that globally, true seekers of God are equally scattered no matter where you live. So let's answer the question. 
Did Tarzan go to heaven? Well, the question is, did he seek God? If he did, yes, then he did go. If he didn't, then he died in his sins.